0: Good morning, Journey Church. My name is Nate. I am so excited to be here. Uh, I'm the family pastor here. I get to do a lot of fun things. Uh, Mainly, I get to hang out with kids. I get to spend time with them. And uh, one of my favorite things is is they don't know how old, what old is, right? They don't know it. When you ask them how old something is or how old somebody is, or even they might, you know, hurt your feelings some. You're like, mom, tell me about the old days, you know, back in 1990s. Uh, you, know, you know, they may get at you, right? They may come at you a little bit. And so one of my favorite things is to teach them some things of old because, frankly, everything, everything is old to them, right? So one of my favorite uh, uh, pieces of that is, is teaching the things that I grew up with, but more importantly, the things that, that helped me through my moments, right? Helped me through my steps. Uh, and, and today's message, today's message is titled, The Plan for a Healthy Family. The plan for a healthy family, uh, as we look at that and as we examine that, uh, obviously, right, I'm going to talk about that family pastors pretty straightforward. But I really think the scripture has something special for us here. And I, and, and I, I really want to share with you, not just because it's my, it's my opportunity to do this, but because it's on my heart. Uh, and, and I think it's a message for no matter what age you are, no matter what stage you are, it's for you. It's for our families. Uh, and let me just go ahead and give away the secret, all right? The, the plan for God's uh, healthy family is for you to be healthy and to give that to others around you no matter what you call family, no matter how that family looks, it's for you to be healthy, to do healthy things and to give that to others around you. All right, so some of these things that help us through, and in fact, on your sheet, uh, uh, and, and, and if you're online, welcome. I'm so glad you are here. Uh, you can find the link a little bit later, but on your sheet, there's a list of mantras, all right? And so this word mantra often is a phrase to help us out, but really it's an encapsulation of wisdom, right? It's those things that, that carry thoughts, that bring a thought, and wisdom is just knowledge applied at the right time. Most of it, it comes from experiences, right? Now, we all can learn and we all know our own experiences, but sometimes isn't it better to, to watch somebody else's experience for a minute and go, wow, that looks like that would stink. You know what? I'm not going to do that, right? It, it is so much more. So some of, these things, some of these things may be right where you're at. Might might be in the moment right now, but some of them may even spark an idea of a day before that a change has happened in your life. You're like, man, that used to mean the world to me. That used to bring me through some of the darkest moments and some of the darkest days. And I hope that you find something on there that will challenge you today, find something on there that will bring hope for you, but also find something that will uh, remind you of the goodness that God has happened. Uh, we're finishing up the summer here, right? We're walking through these things in this last week. I got to celebrate one of my favorite summer activities uh, is my anniversary, all right? We got married at the end of summer. We, we, we just celebrated 14 years. Uh, thank you, uh, that, yes. Uh, and, and at least 12 of them were happy. No, uh, I promise. Uh, 14 were blessed, I am blessed, uh, that her, and, and let me just go ahead and encapsulate this entire relationship. I said, hey, 14 years, you want to do another 14? And she goes, sure, why not? All right, so we're, we're rocking. That's, listen, that is, that is high praise for my life, okay? Uh, uh, that is something, because I am blessed if you've met my wife, Tabitha, I am blessed by her. Uh, she, she, she truly seeks after God and, and loves me, loves me and loves our family so well. And so we are celebrating 14 years. It's one of my favorite moments, but one of our favorite things to do as, as, as that time comes, right, is to review, to think about the years gone by, right? The moments have happened. We've lived in different states in different apartment complexes and things we liked and things we don't like. We bought house, uh, uh, things have fallen apart. We've, we've spent nights without power. We've, we've, we've done all the things, made mistakes, cried together, got a little loud sometimes, All the things as we look through the years and the most important thing out of all those is we laugh about it because of the faithfulness that God has carried through those moments right? The faithfulness that God, has, that, that God has shown us. And one of them is, is actually turning six uh, in just a few days. My son, uh, uh, he is a blessing. If you don't know, uh, he is adopted. Uh, and he came to us the day he was born. We didn't know he was coming. We didn't know how that was happening. And it was coming after a season of, 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 of true darkness in our relationship, not, not with each other, but we had, we had uh, lost on a promise that we thought God was leading us to, but it turned out he has so much more. He had so much more in Ethan that he was preparing our hearts for something. So, so, so let, me just, let me just put that in your mind as, as, as you just review those things. These, these summer moments, these times when you go back to the beach again and all those things happen, let, let there at least be a section, not just, oh, I remember that go-kart track or I remember playing on the beach, but let it be a section of where you were emotionally, spiritually, right, where these moments have happened. Well, one of these big mantras, one of these big mantras that, that has been used for literally millennium, all right? So literally millennium, uh, it, is, it is from the Jewish culture, and it's, and it's found, and we'll, and we'll dive into it in just a second. But I want, I want to tell you how long this thing has lasted, right? Uh, and, and in fact, I heard a pastor remarking recently, he was in Rome, he was at a preaching conference, right? And so a, a church conference, he was hearing preaching, and he realized listening that a few blocks away was the Colosseum. All right, if you don't know, the Roman Colosseum was the center where they had games and so many other things. And he had paid $15 earlier that day to to tour it. Now he's just a few blocks away listening to the preaching of God's word. Well, if you don't know enough about history in this moment, let me help you. The Colosseum was where they killed and where they put games on and they put Christians to death in that space, Jews to death in that space. And now he paid $15 to walk its ruins, right? So God's testimony lived through some of the darkest moments. Those, those Jewish people, those Jewish brothers and sisters stood in that and said, God, help. God, protect us. And God's will was done. And the Roman empire fell and God's will continued, right? So, so this is one of those phrases that not man, that's a, that's a slick idea or it came from a self-help book or let me tell you about this thing or hey, it's tweetable or whatever the new thing is, right? It is something that comes from an ancient, deep place that has stood the test of time, that has allowed them to come through. So let me pray for us and we'll get hopped into it, all right? Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for everyone that is listening to this message, whether online or whether in this room. I pray today that your will be done, that the words I have, will be from you, that they will penetrate. And I cannot wait to see what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this word, the Jews call it the Shema. All right, so the Shema, now that sounds fancy. That sounds cool. Maybe even a little mystic, ooh, right? It is actually just the first word in the sentence. All right, in Hebrew, we're gonna work through some Hebrew words together. All right, all right, so bear with me. Love me through it, okay? But more importantly, all of this I found, okay? This is not some, some divine wisdom that was given to me. I searched and I found it. You too can do that. But do understand this was written at a different time, a different place in a different world. We need to step into those shoes to understand it. So they call it the Shema. Traditionally, this is the thing they wake up praying and the way and the thing they go to bed praying. In fact, even more so, they hope that this is the last words on their lips as they die. And even more so on the other side after teaching their children mama and dada, this is the next phrase they teach their children. What I'm about to teach you today, the special thing that they that they center around, all right? So it is called the Shema and it is found in Deuteronomy 6 Verse 4, and Shema is this, this one right here, so let's read it together. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, as we walk through this, we're going we're gonna to take steps through each verse. We're going to understand it a little bit more. But, but the Shema is just the Hebrew word for listen. But this listen is not necessarily just a soft listen or anything else. So, so, let's, so let's look at verse 4. Listen, O Israel. So we'll start right here. This listen is not just, hey, uh, if you got a minute, would love to talk to you about, you know, a new wireless plan. Uh, this, no, this is, this is like the third time you've told your child to put their shoes on. All right? This is, hey, please put your shoes on. Hey, put your shoes on. And then, you know, that last one that you're like, I don't know if I'm a Christian anymore after this. A moment like, dear Lord Jesus, help me put your shoes on. And most of the time, children respond the same way, They right? They go, oh, okay. Like after the third one, right? Right after, if you kind of get a little red. This is what the author is saying. He is crying out to the people, listen, listen, oh Israel. Who's Israel? God's chosen people. God's chosen family. Listen, family of God. Listen today. He puts this into play because then he then he goes in and he says, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. He reminds them of the central belief, the core belief of their entire religion, their entire practices is is centered on one thing: that the Lord is our God. He calls them back to their beliefs. And this brings me to my first point. It brings me to the first one under here that is put your beliefs into action. Now that sounds like, okay, I'm gonna tell you to put your beliefs into action, but actually let me remind you, your beliefs are in action. We see them happening. We see them every day. And you may not realize that they may be not even chosen beliefs. They may just be inherited even or even something you've never thought of. Your beliefs are in action already. So the, the author says, listen to Israel, people of God, reminds them of their core belief, right? That the Lord is our God, the Lord is Lord. That may sound obvious to you, but I think for many of us understand that there was a moment where we didn't really know who was in charge of everything, right? We didn't really know where to look. And so if you've made that decision, this sounds obvious, but it should be the central idea, right? If it's new to you, amen. I'm, I, I hope you hear this as something that we're talking to you, something that there's a difference in this. So what are you listening to? Are you listening to the loudest thing? Are you listening to the thing that shouts the most? Well, we know from other stories in the Bible that often the voice of God is in a whisper, right? Are you listening to the thing that just comes repetitively at you and at you and at you and at you? You deserve this. You deserve this. You deserve this. Or are you listening to the everlasting, the eternal, the sustainer of life? The more we believe in God's character, the more it will show in our beliefs. It will show in our actions. In fact, uh, this, this listen, O God, O Israel, comes to play as we step into the next part, right? So you may have guessed it that we're gonna talk about a few things and we must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your strength. We're going to tackle these individually because they're different thoughts. They're different ideas. So we're going to tackle the heart first. Uh, as, we, as we come through this, the heart must be uh, kind of thought of differently, okay? So the word uh, uh, is, is something that, that we don't necessarily have the exact context for, but every ancient sitting, every ancient thought had the way the body kind of worked, all right? And the Israelites were no different. They had, they had this thing. Now, they did have the idea of the organ pumping blood. In fact, in First Samuel, there is a verse where a man actually has a heart attack. It says where his, heart, where his heart died inside of him and he turned into stone. All right? So they definitely had this whole pumping organ thing. But it had more of an expansive idea. The author uses it in ways that we may not uh, it intellectually put down. But I think we intuitively know, right? Because we kind of use some of these organs sometimes in, in light little phrases, right? Like, go with your gut, Right, right, you know, uh, I got a gut feeling, it's not a good idea, right? Or, hey, they have a joyful heart. Well, it has nothing to do with the organ in their body, right? It has to do with the way they interact with the world, all right? Or they had a change of heart, right? That means they had a different thought, they moved to a different idea. Uh, or, or, Or even, probably the most common one is a broken heart. Right, we, we, we consider that. Well, we're not talking about stents or about uh, clogged arteries, there, right? We're talking about a feeling and a thought. So, as we even know it, our heart has this, has this other thing, right? So, it's really the whole encompassing, and in fact, we even put this into our judicial system, right? right? The way a, a crime is committed is we consider the motives for the punishment, right? If it was an accident, it's a different. If it was on purpose, it's different. The action doesn't change, but the motive changes the punishment, doesn't it? The motive changes how it goes. So we even consider this in ruling on punishment, this heart idea, this thought idea. You might even call them motives, all right? So we're really discussing this whole system. The heart covers this whole system. And so, and so here's, the, here's the process to, to it, right? Actions are a product of our thoughts and desires, and that is a product of our beliefs. If you don't get this order, you may have tried to explain why you pushed somebody. If you ever see two kids fighting, all right, and one pushes the other, all right, or maybe just that you know, beautiful brotherly love, right, what's the first thing to come out? He pushed me first, right? He, he did it, he looked at my window, right? He was born, right? <laughs> you know you thought it, Right? it comes so, so easily out of us, right? We instantly go way past they pushed me, or we think there's justification we are deserving. That's our thought and desire. If they push me, I get to push them, right? Our belief is that we are righteous in our doling out of judgment. We get to do this, but we know that's probably not not the truth of it, right? We know that that's not where it is. In fact, we put this into focus, right? So, so, so when my son is playing a game, I often shout to him, right? Encouragements, thoughts on things, right? Keep your eye on the ball. Help him understand what to do in this moment, right? Right, calm yourself. Keep your head in the game, right? Don't worry about everything else going on. Put this into focus. The God, God is the same. God is asking us to put this whole thing into focus because if my motives are wrong, my actions are probably gonna end up confusing, right? Really though, if my beliefs, who I think I am, who I think other people are, if you think everyone's out to get you, you walk around this world yelling and screaming and fighting people. If you think everyone's like me, broken and in need of a savior, you walk around loving and caring and seeing people the way they're made, hurting, and you, and you realize that you could be a vessel to help this all comes from a belief into our actions. So no, one action cannot be judged one way, but it does have a judgment. And this is what all heart, this heart idea comes from. Now, as we step through this, right? So we have love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, right? So with all your soul, as we step into this, this next, this next section, I think many of us probably picture our soul as, as this thing that is encased in our body right? Kind of a ghost inside the machine imagery. And, and, and much of that comes from ancient Greek, okay? So it comes from this idea that we, it's released later, or we're affecting it by the choices of today. The, the biblical scholars have nothing of that in their mind when they talk about their soul. In fact, this word is nefesh. Nefesh is the word. Uh, you don't have to remember that, I promise, okay? But it is used 700 times, and it literally means the throat, it literally means the throat because the throat actually has some extra to it. If you can just think about it, everything that we have for life comes through this air, in and out, food, drink, sustain, giving us life. The way, honestly, I mean, if you've ever been to a Chinese buffet, you know what I'm talking about, right? You feel a certain way leaving if you don't wear sweatpants, right? You feel a certain way. It is one of those spaces in which what I put in made me, affected me, changed my circumstances around me. We see this word used a couple different ways. In fact, and later in Deuteronomy, nefesh is used to describe a kidnapper. A kidnapper is called a nefesh thief, all right? And in, in, in Numbers, a murderer is called a nefesh slayer. In fact, uh, 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 as we walk through it, here's the scripture to help you kind of understand. This is, this is actually a pretty, uh, a pretty famous one. It's in Genesis, and it's the creation of Adam, okay? So it says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person, a nefesh, right? So it's not the breath, it's not the breathing, it's this thing. What is it? It's kind of mixed up, right? It's in our bodies, it's of our bodies, it's connected. The psalmist, the, the songwriters of the Bible said, let, my, or let me live so that I might praise you, let my nefesh lives so it might praise you. So the essence of it, in fact, even Jesus lays it out for us in Matthew 16, uh, where he says, then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what you do to benefit or, and what do you do if you benefit and gain the whole world but lose your own soul? If anything is worth more than your soul. That word life, life, soul, soul is all the same Greek word. This encompassing, Jesus is even speaking and, and putting it into life. This is an emphatic, like, like an overarching statement. Hey, if you die and you gain everything, you got, what are you going to do with it? Right? The old phrase, right, you can't take it when you go. Right, so so, what are you going to do with it as you put into it? This word pops into this. So, what what does soul mean for us to serve God, to love God with all of our soul? Well, we we need to realize what feeds our soul. We need to realize what actually nourishes our soul, and it's not. I'm sorry to say, not the Chinese buffet. All right, it is much more than that. In fact, I think the best way to put it is it's being in the right place at the right time doing the right things. There is something about where you're at because here's the truth of the matter is you are not a machine. I'm sorry. You are not a machine in need of oil, but a person that needs community. You have daily needs to connect with others. Now, let me, let me. this word community is everywhere, right? Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's looking for it. Everyone's sought out. It's rarely worked on. Uh, but it, they, we just kind of want to stumble upon it, right? We just want to stumble into it and they're like, oh, they love me, right? You know, I'm a part of the Gryffindor house. They love me, all right? We are, we are I mean, some call it tribalism, right? We're looking for it. A, a, a big movie came out recently and there was a lot of pink war to the movie theaters, right? People are looking to be a part of things, and they're willing to pay whatever ridiculous price that pink cost, right? Uh, uh, and not knocking, it's just a lot of pink, all right? It is, it is something that the embodiment, the short answer, though, is we need love. We need love on a regular basis, but community is not a size, though. It's not, in fact, it's actually more of a quality. In fact, if I could change the word a little bit, it's connection. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I'm around. You may be like that. You may be like my wife, All right, and and this is probably the worst thing I could do is talking about her introvertedness, okay? Let me be clear. Okay, don't bring it up, okay? No, it's, she loves, she loves a few people. I love a lot of people, right? But that doesn't change our need for community. I can be in the biggest crowd and not be connected. We've all been to a concert and enjoyed it, but it's going with somebody else that we got to have a memory with. We got to be connected with. We got to live it again. That was so amazing. You get to recap it on the way home. Talk about it. That need for community is so prevalent. It has nothing to do with the number. It has to do with the connection. And that's what God is looking for. If you come every Sunday expecting, this is the only time you get fed your community, your love, it would be like going to that Chinese buffet one time a week and not eating the rest of the week. It's not going to sustain it's not going to last. It's not going to be enough. Why? Because we need food daily. We need food three times a day. Maybe even if you're like my six-year-old, seven to eight times a day, right? We need it often. We need nourishment often. We need connection often. So let me be clear. Let me put it right on the table. Here at Journey, we want to connect with you. We call things connection so that you can just, that's what it's for, right? We have life groups starting up in a few weeks. We want you to be a part of it. Is it messy? Absolutely. People are messy. But is it what we need? Absolutely. We need to be in that space. We need to be thinking about what we need and have needs met. The second one here is to serve, to be with the community. Right now, I have some of the most amazing people here on campus, and I love all of you. Some of you are sitting in the room preparing for that. They have beautiful community teaching kids doing what God has gifted him and putting them into place and then they get to enjoy it together. It is an amazing thing. I, I love being a part of that community. I love being a part of it. In fact, even Jesus put this into it that, uh, and, and, and this might be getting ahead of myself, but there's a scripture where he says the Shema. And then at the end he says, and the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. He connected those dots. He tied those together. The completion of this Historic thing is to love one another because you see, the order of things is we must receive, then give. So receiving, then give. We can't receive all the love and never give it out. We'll become isolated. We'll become internally focused. Man, I'm just doing great. This is so fantastic. We need to give it away. But then I think all of us have experienced, have you ever given too much away? And you end up empty. And alone and isolated. You know, there's a difference between being alone. I think alone can bring a lot of thoughts along and, and, and help us understand what's going on. But isolation? Oh, isolation is prison. That's what we do to prisoners. We take everything away. Isolation is not what our soul needs. In fact, it's a punishment to our soul. This brings a lot of, a lot of ideas, and, and I need you to understand that, that I am stepping into a space that I struggle with as well, Uh, And and in our our world, isolation often leads to some pretty dark feelings. Those words are often anxiety and depression. In a recent book, uh, Dr. Joseph Hari, uh, the book is called Lost Connection, if you want to pull that string a little bit more. He discusses nine causes scientifically of depression. And two of them are biological. Two of them are a true chemical imbalance in our brains that need to be balanced back out. All right? The other one, that's one of the other one is, is actually a hard spiral, right? If you're depressed, it often leads to your chemistry in your brain becoming more depressed. That's hard. That's a hard thing to break. But the other seven are environmental. The other seven are environmental. So let me go back to the beginning. Our soul needs to be at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing. Sometimes we need to do the right thing in the right place before we feel like doing the right thing in the right place. Every good therapy that is handling depression and anxiety that is tackling that is helping people give the tools to 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 work with that often has an environmental aspect to it. All right? If they just give you something and don't help you with what you need, it won't work. There, there needs to be a combination of those two things, all right? So, so, so I stand before you a person that sometimes it is overwhelming, the thoughts that go on, but I often find myself I'm alone. I don't think that's by mistake. When I don't share my concerns, I get caught. So to receive love is not from others. To receive love is from the holy and right God. In fact, if we receive from God, and then give to others, we will never run out. We'll never run out. He is full. He is, he is complete. He righteously gives. If you need that love today, if you're going, man, I just wish somebody would love me, and you're running around trying to love everybody else, they will let you down. They will not fulfill what you need. Because you see, they're trying to get the love they need. But it's not the right kind. It's not pure so what do we need to do? We need to get the love from God and then give it to others. This is what a Christian does. So what does love look like? It means thinking of others more than ourselves, treating others as ourselves, putting others' thoughts. It, it literally could just be, hey, this week, I want to challenge you. This week, make a phone call. Hey, man, just checking in on you. Hey, I just want to see how things are going. And you think I can pray for you even if you feel comfortable with that space. Just check in on somebody, but let it be not from your desire to be loved, but from their need. See in them the need you have. But first, take it to the Father. Say, God, I need your love today. I need that soul-giving love. I need to be filled with love. And the last of the three things, right? So we have the heart, we have the soul, and we have the strength. Now, you may instantly think the power, the might, the big, the strong, it actually is a whole different idea. This word is mood, and it is much more of a way, not a power. All right, a way, not a power. So, so, so stick with me. This word actually, it's one of the only places it's actually translated strength. It actually means very or much. All right, so when God created the heavens and the earth, the first six days he made animals and light and stars and all that, and he called it good. On the seventh day, he created man or excuse me, six day he created man and he looked and he said, it is very good or mewed good. This is a modifier, it's an adverb. I had to look up what an adverb is, all right? It's a word that comes along one to augment its meaning. It adds, it it multiplies, it gives significance to it. In fact, the Hebrew writers also use it in double, right? They just double it down, right? Just like a double patty, right? Just give me another one, all right? When they are talking about Joseph's, or excuse me, uh, Jacob's wealth, they call it mu'ud, mu'ud, good. That means it's the ultimate. It is very, very wealthy. He is full of wealthy. Jesus even retranslated this, helping us, transliterated, excuse me, helping us when he shared the Shema, Uh, in a later text we'll talk about. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and power. So he brings this idea. So how do I marry them? It's not in conflict. It's actually in concert. It's talking about the infinite ways, the muchness that we can love others, that we can love God, right? Love your heart, love your soul, love your muchness. It is elevating to cover all of these things. How you interact with the world. It may be your resources it may be the money. It may be money may be involved. You may be giving from that. But don't give out of duty. Give out of love. Right? It may be, hey, letting that person merge when you are running late. All right? And you're going, ha, you know, I mean, you can nod your head wrong. It's okay. I know. All right? But you have to have the space. Are you making space for others to love them when it doesn't feel right? When it doesn't feel like you should. They don't deserve it. And the hard part is we don't deserve the love first. So we, when we put ourselves in that position, when we think about the muchness that we have, we give to others around us. He brings us all to focus. He puts us all into commitment and, 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 and he puts it all down into the commitment. All right, so he follows this verse set up into the commitment and it's Deuteronomy 6 and the next two verses is 6 and 7. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving to you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you are on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. This commitment is a must. You must love the Lord your God. You must all. One of my favorite things to teach kids is this fact, is that scripture doesn't exaggerate. Kids exaggerate. I've never had pizza. Right? You're like, well, then why do you want it? right? We never had it, right? We never get to the pool. Right? When the Bible says all, it's not playing. Amazing scriptures when for God so loved the world that he sent his son that for all of the world, that all may know. Right? In this same space, all of us. He's asking for all of us. We must commit when? Today. The word all is used wholeheartedly. He is, he is pounding away at this idea. So our heart, all of our actions, all of our thoughts, all of our beliefs, our soul, all of our needs need to come from him. All of our community through him. How we receive love, how we give love need to be in his name. Our strength, much of our much, our, all of our muchness, how we love in your abundance. We are called to pay the full price to him if you can just think about it for a second, if you are late on your rent and you stop paying your rent, they do not let you stay in the house portion that you paid for. They kick you all out, right? If you don't pay for your mortgage, right, and you paid some of it, maybe you you paid half of it, they don't give you half the house, right? They don't let you have half. You have to pay all of it, right? They will take your car if you don't pay the whole thing. They will right now. They'll take it up, right? No matter how close you are because you didn't do what? Fulfill the requirements to gain the thing. What are we gaining? What are we putting into play? The promises of God, the promises that God has given us, that he will sustain us, that he will create us. And this is the space. This is the mantra that has led people through death of their friends and their families and led them through Wildernesses and led them through struggles and trials. If I can teach you anything, it's not a quick, a quick one, but a, a sustaining one, a long-term one. Doesn't that sound like something we should be teaching to others? We should be giving out, and let me just go ahead and get right to it, right? Children are learning something from you. Show them a growing relationship with Jesus. Be open to that idea. So let's put this back into this thought, right? What do children truly need help with? They need help with their emotions, their thoughts. Uh, my wife often describes that my son has big emotions, right? We can't find the right Hot Wheels car. It is a tragic event. The right one, not a Hot Wheels car, the Hot Wheels car. Big event. Is that significant? No, not in my view. But if my refrigerator breaks, I might be, oh, the refrigerator is broken. How are we going to keep up with this? Is that a significant to God? It, it, it's important because I'm important to him. But is it in the grand scheme? No. Not even in the 14 years we've been married. We've had multiple refrigerators, all right? And I have survived. Emotions, thoughts, and desires, they need to know what to do with these. In fact, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 says it like this The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? But the Lord searches all hearts and examines secret motives. I give all people their dues, rewards according to the actions they deserve. If you've spent time with children, you know you do not have to teach them to be selfish. You do not have to teach them to be one, to be first in line. No one cares about being in the middle of the line. They want to be first in line, right? They don't care if everybody else gets fed. They care if they get fed the right thing, cut all the corners off and make it perfect, right? They care about those thoughts. We don't have to teach them that. What do we have to teach them? To share. To be considerate of others. To know that our feelings and our needs will be met. We need to bring That calmness and that peace that we have gained from God, we need to give it to them. Our beliefs will come out through our actions and we will either be seen as truthful or as liars. We'll either be seen as righteously, I love God and this is how it acts out. Kids will tell, kids will know, all right? They do not start off in a happy place, they start off in a selfish place. We get to help them and move them forward, all right? The next one is purpose in this world. They can build so many things. They can run for office. They can, they can write laws. They can do things that we would call big. But if they don't love one another, many a man, many a woman has said on their deathbed and it's like, I wish I would just spent more time with the people that were important to me. Why? What they were missed the most is connection. Give them community. Teach them those things. Show them how to love the Lord their God with all of their soul. And last, how to love first as an example, then as a correction. From your muchness, from your strength that you have received from God, how do you love them? I, one of my favorite things to do is tell Ethan I love him. And he goes, you love me? Super cute, perfect. And I go, I do. I love you. And then he goes, I love me too. <laughs> and I go, I was kind of hoping you would say you love me back. I was kind of, Right? I was kind of hoping you would reciprocate that. But that's not his position, is it? That's not what he is in our family. I am the parent. If I am looking for that affection, that love, that deserve, that purpose in my life from him, he will let me down. Don't worry, he already has. (laughs) Not on purpose. But he needs to know that I love him because God loved me that I can sustain sometimes when he is upset. He has said mean things. You're the worst. I don't like you. I know it's just his emotions overwhelming him. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean it doesn't go through it. I need to correct him that he needs to love others, not from his emotional state, but from what God has said about him. I need to put in his heart what God has said about him. My beliefs about him need to be shown even when he is not loving, right? Right? even when he's not that. So, so, so have purpose. Come tell me, please. I will laugh and cry with you, okay? All right, come tell me. So what? how do we know we're doing good? How do we know we're doing right? How do we know we're going about it? Well, it's the fruit that we have. How do we know we've embodied this? So I, I've teased it all the way through. Let me just read it for you because this is one of the reasons why we as Christians love this commandment, love this message And it's found in Matthew 22, verse 35. One of them, uh, asking Jesus, an expert in the religious law tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Sound familiar? Yeah? This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, not exaggerating, and all the commandments or all the demands of the prophets, not exaggerating, are based upon these two commandments. Now, if you're a type one person, you may be a little upset that that person has for one the greatest commandment and Jesus gave him two. But for Jesus, these are connected, these are tied together. He says they are equal in importance. He can't just give one without giving the other you may be asking yourself okay well great who is my neighbor it's the person you're thinking about right now it's a person that ah, you avoid maybe they hurt you maybe they said something mean about your child maybe they said something unkind or maybe they, they just are unkind that's the neighbor we're talking about do you love them the way you would love to be receiving that love do you love them the way you have received that love but if you haven't received that love it's very hard to love others, I—it it is easy to ignore. It is easy just to give the friendly neighbor wave as they pass by and not be worried about their soul, not be worried about their existence and their eternalness. It is easy, but did God do that? No, God made one of the hardest decisions to send His Son Jesus to choose all of heaven to forego it, to become lower than a servant to me and to you so that we might know him in fullness. Wherever you are right now, whatever you have, I hope this has encouraged you but also helped you. Everything can change today. You can have change in your life today. There is no one that is too far from God. There is no one that is too far from change. There is no parenting that is too far from forgiveness there is no one you can change today. I don't care if you haven't talked to your son or your daughter for decades. God can move mountains. He can move a relationship. He can change those things. Let me encourage you today to take those, to take those moments, to take those steps, whatever path, nothing nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. So let's, let's take this together. Our next step is first, take responsibility for our growth. We must change to affect the thing. One of the mantras on there is nothing changes if nothing changes, right? We must change something to see a change. The next one is to receive the love to love others. This may be a thing for you to have every day to understand I need to receive God's love for me so I may love others no matter how difficult they are, (laughs) No matter how hard they are, I need to receive it. Or maybe this is the first time you've heard about this love. This enduring, outlasting, unending love. I want to invite you today to receive it. It is available. There is nothing special for for you to do. It is available to each and every one of us. God's creation. If you were created by God, if you're here breathing, it is for you. He gives to all who ask is what the scripture says. And this is probably one of the hardest one is to open yourself up to be searched and renewed. Whatever you are battling with right now, whatever you are saying, okay, fine, you can do all those things except for this thing. It may be a love desire for something, it may be work, it may be your home even. That is stopping you from being healthy. That is causing you pain. Get rid of it, cut it out. Give all so that you may receive all. Let the Lord work through you. Be open to those things in a community. Finally, teach your children the stories of old, both yours and these that we've learned. We've learned some amazing stories this last few weeks, but I think one of the most important stories to share is your own. What God has done in your life. If you aren't sharing that with your kids, you're missing a point. You are the most important thing to them. They don't know what you haven't told them. Share your story of God's goodness in your life, and I think you will see the blessings come as you renew, as you think, as you ponder those things. We're about to sing a song together, and I'm very excited to sing it with you because I think it's actually, it's actually the perfect thing to put together for today, to put together for this series, and it's called Same God. Same God. You have heard these stories of old. You've heard how they've changed other people's lives. And we're about to sing and, and pray and say, God, give me that story. Let me have that in my life. I hope that this becomes a, a not just a song we hear, but a response that we have. The altars will be open. Our prayer team will come forward. If you've never received that love, come forward and ask for it. We will lead you to that. We will let you know and understand how that looks. But if you want to make this your prayer, sing it loud. Let it be known that that same God of Jacob, the same God of Gideon and of Jonathan and of the Jewish people of Jesus, the same God is the one you're asking for help from. Be open to that help. Ask it today. Let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, today I pray, I pray that you will lead in this room, that you will give The peace beyond understanding. I pray. I pray for those that are watching from wherever they are to understand that God is for you. That God has made a way for you to be with Him forever. Lord, I pray today that you will move in mighty ways, that this will not just become a song to close, but a song, an anthem to praise and to cry out, a prayer on our hearts every day that we will renew to you, that we will be open to the listening. The words you have to say that we will love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. It's in your precious name I pray today. Amen.